Welcome to the IC Connected or ICON podcast. This podcast will challenge conventional thinking about internal communications. It will force you to think differently, consider bold ideas, and step outside your comfort zone through real, unscripted insights from some of the best internal comms pros and subject matter experts in the world. But most importantly, this podcast will help you elevate your career, and together, we'll elevate the internal comms profession to the C-suite. Greetings, this is Mike Klein from Reykjavik, Iceland, and I would like to welcome you to the Icon Podcast with Eric Myers. Um, Eric is a We Lead Comms honoree, and um, Eric has been a standout communicator and communication leader for a number of years. The Icon Podcast is sponsored by Sparrow Connected the internal communication platform that is accelerating business performance and elevating the world's communication leaders through the We Lead Cons program. Um, Eric, um, you have been um, living and working mainly in the German-speaking world for the last 25 years, and I would like you to introduce yourself and maybe say a little bit about you know, what it's been like working in a very different culture from which you were raised in. Yeah, thank you, Mike, for the introduction. Thanks also for the opportunity to talk about communications, uh, communications leadership, which I think I could talk about for hours or days or weeks, um, also with you probably. Um, I'm originally from Connecticut, uh, so New England in the U.S. Um, I spent uh, quite a bit of time in, in school, also my senior year in high school as an exchange student, um, studied German and biology, and I always wanted to gain work experience in Germany, um, which I guess I loved being in. Um, I love languages anyway. Um, and I had the opportunity to join SAP uh, in 1998 at the headquarters, starting first in a, in a development department as a technical writer and translator, um, and had many, many different roles at SAP throughout the years I was there, um, and moved into communications fairly early, which was around customer communications, but I was speechwriter for several CEOs there, several board members. I did internal communications. A uh, huge piece was digital, of course. Um, and I also worked for one of the board members on strategy projects, uh, but also communications. Uh, when I, I guess back to when I originally came to Germany, I never really had a plan to say, okay, I'm going to Germany for five years, uh, but I really wanted to gain this work experience. And I just loved, uh, still here too, <laughs> um, love living in uh, Europe. Uh, my next role after that was working at BSF, also at the headquarters. Um, I was hired as sort of the first digital communications leader um, to pull together digital communications topics. Um, quickly also was responsible for global employee communications. Um, photo film and part of the European communications. Uh, at the end of my time there, I was responsible for communications, marketing communications for one of the divisions. Um, and I decided to then go to Hilti, the construction um, leader in Liechtenstein. I became head of corporate communications, um, which also was a strong piece around digital. We launched, uh, or internal as well, we launched a digital workplace for all 30,000 employees. Um, it was a very tight project. Um, after that, I was a digital and communications consultant. Um, and since January this year, so 2022, uh, I'm the communications head at uh, LNR, which is a privately owned 
company in the medical product space. Um, I think, I mean, one thing that has definitely given me a lot of, um, I would say potential or potential opportunities was really being bilingual, but also being experienced uh, in working different in, cult in different cultures. Uh, many of the companies or jobs that I had either within a company moving or between companies was really because of this these skills, um, which I built over the years, uh, learning also some German dialects, although I <laughs> don't speak them that well. Um, I guess that, and I've just loved living here and working here. I mean, there's big differences like um, yeah, health insurance, um, many more vacation days, uh, which we have. Um, in Germany, it's around 30. Now I'm in Vienna since September, it's about 25, but that's still a lot compared to the US. Um, yeah, and I mean, I, I love using both languages or, or language in general. Um, and I guess in a communications role in a German speaking country or any country that's wherever you are, you need to understand the language, uh, particularly if you're dealing with yeah, employees there or also external partners. Well, I mean, there's a lot in what you're saying that I think is really interesting and that we can explore. But I think a common thread of what you've discussed is not just that you're working in different cultures. You're working between and across cultures and not just national culture. I mean, you work obviously between, you know, the Anglo-American and the Germanic cultures, but you also work across um, and your your academic background reflects this, the scientific world and the, the communications world, um, the, you know, kind of expansive world of, you know, big ideas, you know, working externally with the more focused world of working internally. And, you know, is there, are there any common lessons that you have for other communication folks who find themselves between different cultures and different, you know, value systems as much as anything else? That's a very good point. I think most of my roles have been global. So really the headquarters are in German speaking countries, but we have, uh, as we do now, uh, colleagues in every country uh, or many countries, uh, customers in, in many, many countries. Um, I think one thing is really, and I, I tell this to people that are thinking of moving abroad, say from the US mainly, uh, or traveling, you have to immediately expect that wherever you are will not be like where you're from and things. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, I know you, yeah, I mean, you're the same, but, uh, or you understand this, um, you, what you think maybe say quote unquote normal, uh, or good or, uh, a right way of doing things may actually be the exact opposite in the country that you're going to and vice versa. Um, and I think you really have to be open for for these differences um, and not try to do something like you think it should be done. I think there's a cliche, which uh, unfortunately I have seen a lot of that American companies particularly have a certain way of doing things, try to export to the rest of the world and it usually fails. Or most people in many countries are already assuming, oh God, the Americans are coming. They're going to tell us what to do and act like they know everything. Um, and uh, yeah, and and this just doesn't work. Um, and I mean, there are so many examples also of products that have been launched in other countries with the name meant something strange because, uh, I mean, a really cliche American looked for, um, oh, we'll just call it the same thing and launch it. Um, or people are shocked when they go to uh, another country that it's not like the U.S. Um, but in general, 
wherever you are, if you're moving to uh, another country or working. And I would say this is one thing that I highly recommend uh, for anybody that I'm either hiring or mentoring. You really need international experience, no matter what company you are, even in the U.S. In the U.S., it really, really helps you open your eyes to different things in the world, gives you different perspective. And most companies, many companies are global. Ours isn't that big, but it's also global. You really need to understand these different aspects and just try to find common ground to communicate, say, a strategy or uh, a topic. Um, and you always have to keep in the back of your mind that that everybody's different. It, there will be different reactions. Um, and you may also, or you should tailor your communications to um, the different countries also building a network within these countries because obviously they know the language, but they also know the people better. You mentioned that your current company is quite a bit smaller than some of the other companies that you've worked with. Um, one of the things that you know that I've looked at over the years, um, you know, particularly working outside the U.S. I've lived and worked in about six different countries in addition to the U.S is the difference between the strategy dynamics in a large company versus a small company. I would imagine that if you're a multinational, whether you have a thousand people or a hundred thousand people, certain rules apply regardless of size. Um, and there's a bigger question about when do you need a dedicated internal comms resource function, whatever you want to call it. Um, is there a magic number? Is there a magic process? Is there a magic strategy? Or do you see certain common principles at least? That's a very good question. Um, I think in general, every company needs some communications resource. I think um, even uh, one of my first places I worked had 50 employees, a small automotive publisher near Boston in the US. Um, but there was communications need there for communicating to customers, et cetera. Um, Obviously, the internal piece there was a lot easier. I mean, the owner, manager walked around and could talk to everybody. Um, I think you definitely need somebody focused, uh, at least in part, on internal communications. Because no matter the size, even a smaller company, there's still going to be people who don't know what's going on, um, people who don't understand where the company's going. Um, or, of course, then there's the gossip rumor mill. Um, which you want to try to, yeah, I mean, you really want to explain and be open about what's going on. And I think that applies no matter what uh, size the company is. Obviously, the larger the company is, the more challenged this is. Huge companies, the biggest challenge is often, I mean, top-down never really works. The board uh, implements a strategy and then, you know, after the maybe one or maximum two layers after that, nobody knows what's what's going on. Um, and I think the other aspect of, of communications, particularly internal communications, to keep people informed, which is the number one thing, motivated, and also trying to connect people, is it takes regular work. So you need somebody who's regularly sort of uh, greasing the wheel, trying to uh, inform people and really pull the information that they're getting from throughout the organization and provide it to others and also helping facilitate conversations, particularly between leadership and, and employees, um, which, often is, which often is missing. It's interesting to hear you say that. You're talking about dialogue within the organization, particularly being missing. 
you know, that the, the company strategy usually doesn't penetrate more than a layer or two below before people just consider, you know, consider that what they're doing is what they're doing. And that's pretty much it. Um, what I also heard you saying was that, you know, internal comms is foundational in a lot of ways. And, you know, having been, you know, you know, you're a communication director, but you have in a lot of ways an internal comms consciousness and indeed an internal comms heart in a lot of ways. What can you say about the topic or what people say around, you know, internal and external comms are merging? Uh, what is your thought about that? And what do you, um, how do you say that? How do you think that's going to end up working in the end if it's going to happen at all? I think in general, I mean, we're, whatever the size of the company or in your communications teams, internal, external, whatever, need to be working closely together. Um, the worst situations I've seen where, um, yeah, there's several social media channels, for example, and marketing's doing one and communications and the message going out is completely different or conflicting. Um, I think there's the stakeholder management or the target groups that you want to reach. Uh, um, which you have to coordinate, but I don't, I, I still think there's a need for separate internal and external. I think particularly, um, I mean, people say, oh, if it's in, you know, if it's communicated internally, it'll probably go outside. That's not necessarily true. Um, and I think there's often, uh, I would say sadly so, um, often a much bigger focus on customer and journalists um, and external when actually you really want to make sure first that your employees know what's going on, um, that they're informed, they're motivated, um, and they understand how what they're doing connects to the company strategy and direction. Because if you don't have that, you're not gonna be selling product, um, you won't have happy customers. Um, and when something goes wrong internally, uh, or there's a yeah, um, challenges or a crisis, um, and the employees have no idea what's going on or start even rebelling. I mean, then, unfortunately, that's often when leader, senior leaders in the company realize that that's so important. But you need to be doing that all the time, um, being open with your employees if there's a merger or acquisition and not trying to make it sound like it's so great um, when it may be good. But there's often negative pieces, which uh, from my personal experience, which I've tried to um, counteract. Um, they want to make it, the senior leaders want to make it sound so great. Um, and employees immediately smell the, uh, the reality. Um, and uh, you, I think companies need to really shift much more and invest in internal comms. And I think if you're, if you're starting out in your communications career, um, a lot of people are, say, pulled to maybe the quote unquote glamorous PR jobs or, um, say speech writing uh, for for CEOs. Um, I've been a CEO speech writer, so that it can be fun. Um, but there's so much need for internal communications experts because there's such a lack of often in many companies really experienced people who who can explain topics to employees and really really focus on the employee because without that your company won't be successful. No, I, de I definitely, you know, I agree with everything you said. I'll be honest with you. I absolutely agree with everything that you said. That's good to hear. That's and hear. I, I like the fact that, you know, you are so frontal about, you know, you don't, 
you can't be a, an effective communications director unless you've got a fundamental understanding of internal dynamics and can, you know, and can work with those dynamics effectively. And you you mentioned change comms as being a particularly interesting area of that because that has a dynamic all its own. How do you see change comms as being different from business as usual internal comms? And what do you know? What can people do so that they can you know switch gears and be effective in a change context? I think with change communications, the first thing is to realize, which uh, is something to explain to senior executives, is that change takes time. Uh, I've seen so many uh, programs, uh, for example, implementing a digital workplace, and after I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm exaggerating only a bit, one or two weeks. Um, the CEO is like, why doesn't everybody love this? Um, I think change communications as, as a field or as a topic is probably one of the most exciting things because you're helping to affect, I mean, for the positive change within an organization. Um, and, and you're also bringing a lot of people together. If it's uh, implementing a strategy um, or explaining a strategy uh, or trying to change the organization organization more towards, uh, say, new way of working. Um, you have so so much, so many interesting topics that you can work on, and so many people that you will meet. That's one thing I love in communications too. You meet so many people from across the organization, um, and often you have the same. Uh, I guess the more senior roles you have, you have the same pretty much view of the company as a CEO because you need to understand pretty much everything as she or he does to do your job effectively. But with change communications, um, it's so important because so many companies, particularly around digital, want to be digital. We're going to be digital. We'll implement a platform or let's get an app or, um, I don't know, we'll upgrade SAP. Um, that's That's not digital. And it's often the piece that's missing is trying to explain to people early on what this, how this could help their job, for example, or what it means uh, for the future, um, and you have this really key role as a change communicator to make to make this happen. Um, I guess the 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 flip side is, as I mentioned before, um, often the expectation is the change happens overnight, which it obviously cannot. So it can be also a frustrating role um, because you see even over years how much has changed or how much has not. I guess is the other side. I want to feedback kind of what you said about companies want to be digital, because I think that's a, you know, there's a huge area of um, extreme expectation over expectation that, you know, you said companies want to be digital, but instead they do digital things, you know, and they think that's the same. And the reality is that um, digital is a way of thinking. It's a way of acting. It's a way of um, structuring your business and its mindset and just simply adding bits and pieces of technology, you know, doesn't go anywhere near, you know, kind of the mind shift that's involved. And certainly, you know, you've led several technology implementations within um, internal comms and within organizations. What are the tangible things that you can do to um, succeed and avoid this common misstep? The first thing with digital in general, and whether this is digital communications or uh, digital automation of a production facility or, or something else, is that it always starts with a corporate strategy. 
I will never understand companies who, you know, say, oh, we need this new app or this new platform, or they read something and, you know, let's all do, I don't know what, Slack. Um, I mean, first you have a corporate strategy, which explains where the company's going and everything that the company does needs to connect back to that. Um, and digital is not a thing separate, but it's, you have identified in your strategy, say, whatever the five or 10 goals could be also financial goals, where the company wants to go. And then you have, how are we going to, how are we going to make this happen? And one thing could be implementing, uh, digital tools such as in production to be more efficient, um, such as digital workplace. So people can find information more quickly, collaborate more quickly, but you, so you always need to connect what, what any digital project is. Um, back to the goals of the company or the values of the company or the vision and mission of the company. Um, because one, it helps you explain to uh, a board that is often perhaps a bit skeptical, particularly when it comes to internal communications and digital. Um, and it also helps to explain to employees, to go back to the internal comms example of why, why you're doing this. Um, and in general, it's just a strategic way of working um, rather than just saying we're going to do this or that. And I think when you start there, that's that's really, really crucial. I think the other piece um, is really uh, yeah, bringing people together from different areas. Um, so we did, uh, I would say the highlight of my career um, was we, we redesigned, re-implemented the web landscape at BSF. Um, and we had uh, over a thousand different sites, country, I mean, all historical, also big company. Um, over the years, different product sites, uh, country sites, global. Um, and we had so many conversations with people and they said, oh, I want this, I want that. Um, and I brought everybody together with different perspectives in a room, physically in a room and said, okay, we have, it's one website. Um, it's, these are the goals we need to come up with together. And that really helped because I mean, you, we could get, you could gather a hundred requirements, but it's still only one website, um, which you can't implement, um, or, or to go to the internal comms piece, if you're implementing a digital workplace, also getting as much input from employees as possible. So all kinds of employees, because, um, I mean, one, of course, the, the ivory tower shouldn't be, uh, coming up with something for uh, a global company on its own, but you also want to understand how people would use it. No, that's a, that's, that's actually a, you know, a very interesting segue to another part of the conversation. I mean, really the, you know, the idea that technology is an instant solution technology, is, you know, you know, like for example, you see a practice, um, you know, in, not just internal communication, but in terms of workplace technology in general, where you have certain vendors saying, we've got an ROI calculator that if you um, buy our solution, you'll increase your employee engagement by X percent, and that will increase your profitability by X percent. And so we can promise you a 10 to 1 ROI. That never works. And you've got a slogan um, called Fight the Hype. And how do you you know, how do you put that, you know, bring that to life in an internal comms context, in a corporate con context, and then just in general, you know, in the way you approach life? Uh, you know, because you do a lot of stuff outside of your comms work. Um, that's, you know, that's also interesting and 
um, I think, interesting to 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 the listeners out there. I mean, really, you know, fighting the hype. What does that look like inside the firewall, outside the firewall, and outside the workplace? Um, yeah, I think fight the hype, uh, and I uh, use I've used that for quite some time. Um, there's so much hype in particularly in digital, but also in the communications world, where um, yeah. I mean, you go on LinkedIn and somebody writes something about some new trend and pretty much everybody else jumps on and like, oh, we need that. That's so cool, whatever. Um, because it's like jumping on the bandwagon, but what is the actual value of it? Um, and with digital or with technology in general, less is more. Um, and you really have to, as I said before, start with the corporate strategy. So just throwing uh, tools at employees because they're cool or they're supposed to help never works because in my experience often uh there's 20 that they're having to deal with um you know it keeps also wanting to implement things and employees have no idea what to use when um and also from from an external comms perspective particularly social media um i mean when i hear or when i see people on particularly linkedin or twitter writing oh everybody needs to be on tiktok your company needs to be on tiktok I think that is not a strategy. That is not a communication strategy or a smart move. What you do is starting with a corporate strategy, you have a communication strategy, which then explains your target groups, your, your channels, your goals. And then you see, okay, which channels do you want to use? Because uh, like I said before, with, with technology, particularly also with communications, you really need to focus. Um, you don't need to be on everything just because somebody says that you need to. So fight the hype. I could probably do every minute. <laughs> every time I'm on LinkedIn, there's something there where I think, why? There isn't really a conversation. It's it's more about just people patting each other on the back because they've they're talking about the latest trend. Um, so because it should be what makes what creates value, um, what makes sense, what connects to the strategy, um, and also what can be particularly for internal comms be digested in general. Um, and type, I mean, I often am writing fight the hype uh, about technology topics, but there's a lot of other uh, topics or trends um, where where the, people should take a step back and look at whether it makes sense rather than just dump, jumping on it. And then everybody moves from one to the other, one trend to the other. You know, I think implicitly, you know, the, the bigger the bandwagon gets, the less interesting and less strategic the conversation gets. And I wanted to talk in kind of rapid fire fashion with you having your fight the hype sobriety hat on about a, a number of topics, one of which is the whole workplace strategy conversation about remote first, um, hybrid and office based. And there was, you know, if, if anything, an overwhelming amount of hype about hybrid working as being the eternal solution to all of this stuff. What would you say with your fight the hype hat about? Uh, your, what would you say with your fight the hype hat on about the workplace strategy conversation? Some people now are saying, oh, it's all going to be remote or we don't need office space or or, or or some people are saying, oh, we also work in the office because we all need to work together. I think it's the same thing for the other topics around which digital to use or which communications to do or, or how you're implementing digital it starts with a corporate strategy. What are the goals of the, of the company um, and how can this best be done um, 
for the company. So in terms of when should people maybe work in the office or maybe from home? And it's really an individual thing because every company is a different culture. Um, I think statements like, oh, we also be in the office or we also be remote. That's where I would say that is so hype. Um, because you can't, there's never a one size fits all at all, never. And particularly in this topic, um, you know, it's where people can work best. So some companies maybe don't have great digital workplaces, so they do need to be more in person. Um, some people have tools. I mean, it, it depends on which company you're working in. I think the best, the best thing is to offer flexibility. So the, the company needs to offer flexibility to employees and not say, you have to be in the office on Monday. Um, on the other hand, they should also make clear that sometimes if you're working on a project, maybe it is better if people are all together in a room. Um, but but employees particularly shouldn't feel like they're being forced to do something. There should be a, a flexibility around that. And I think in general, the workspace or future of work is is flexibility, but it, that makes sense for each company and everybody's different. Another trend um you know maybe maybe there's another way to ask the question you know of all of the trends and micro trends uh this year what do you think was the most hypish and i've got a background conversation about one of them i want to see whether you and i land on the same place or not i'm just kind of curious about how that would work what is the most hypey um business culture topic that's come out this year so not communications, just more in general. Communication. I mean, wherever in the business world it shows up. I mean, I think one is definitely the TikTok thing. Every we're all on TikTok. I think the other, um, and I know we've had some conversations about this, the whole mindfulness um, topic. Oh, which I guess from my fight the hype perspective, mindfulness, or we'll give you massages at work or whatever. It's just it's. It's basically not changing things. It's it's making the company or culture sound better than it probably is, and it's offering, um, yeah, support or topics. Um, and particularly when when I hear mindfulness or things like that, or or even worse, um, there's the chief happiness officer or something, um, uh, which I know a couple. One of my one of my best friends is the chief happiness <laughs> officer, by the way. Although he's the chief happiness officer of the entire country here in Iceland, not just of a company. I think for a country, it's a bit different than a company, but often, I mean, not every company, but yeah. you, my first thought, and I would say that's from my fight the hype perspective, is that they probably have, have a either very workaholic culture or almost burnout culture. Um, and it's sort of the way of saying, oh, we're going to help you. But th those positions in a company are very difficult to actually affect change. Um, and and offering things, uh, I mean, and, and I say this from my personal perspective, where I've seen companies that I know or have worked in, where there are these roles, um, you kind of know what the reality is. And uh, I guess as a communicator, maybe you're, I'm often, or we are often quite cynical because we know the truth often of things uh, which other people don't know. But um, does that really help the company? Uh, I mean, is it actually helping the, the culture be more supportive or more human? Or is it just sort of um, something that the company can say, oh, we have, we're doing, dealing with my, uh, mindfulness? No, no, that, that's, that's interesting that, you, that you've landed on mindfulness and really the world of um, corporate hygiene and well-being perks. 
um, as being one of these. I would have picked Quiet Quitting as the hype trend of 2022, the, you know, the, the substanceless hype trend of the year. To what extent does that resonate with you at all? I didn't even think about that, but yeah, quiet. I mean, that's the hype, the fight, the hype thing too. And if I read another phrase that starts with great or quiet, um, uh, my stomach is turning a bit. Um, quiet quitting, quiet resignation, um, all these trends. But every time there's these trends, so many people jump on them. Um, but the question is, is it really happening? Does it really make sense? I mean, I don't know how many times I've had conversations on LinkedIn where I'm one of the only people to actually uh, counter something. Um, and I know one person, uh, somebody, somebody, some communications leader, and I wouldn't say his name, but I can't remember it anyway, wrote a blog about some uh, authenticity. I can't remember. Um, and, and one person who I also know on LinkedIn wrote, it wasn't even a critical comment. It was said, which is my also question, how is that going to work? You know, and, and he was, he was attacked. I mean, literally really like very verbally attacked. Um, you know, you're obviously a dinosaur. I mean, I don't even know. It was all, there was no conversation and everybody else was like, Oh my God, this blog is so amazing. And I mean, I, uh, you, you highlight a very interesting and important issue in the world of, you know, communication leadership and communication thought leadership. And that is, you know, you've got people out there who are saying stuff, some of which is contrarian, some of which is, you know, really just kind of, you know, celebrating the, the trendiness of trends. But there's, an, you know, there's very little actual conversation going. What do you think could actually stimulate some more conversation, some more productive conversation in the field in the coming year? Um, because it's certainly something that I'd like to see happen because, you know, I write, you know, as you know, I write quite a bit. And, you know, often I get like 50 likes and no comments. You know, what could stimulate some conversation on? Because we need conversation, move things forward. Often today, it's a very, it's a big challenge because I've had a couple of posts on LinkedIn that went viral. I think one had even three hundred thousand views or so. I can't remember the topic, um, but it was. Uh, I wouldn't say I wrote more from a hypey perspective, but it was commenting on something. Or often it's just the title of a blog uh, that that is really, uh, I would say, perhaps could be construed as clickbait. Um, but obviously, with or I would if I did a title like that, then there's actual content behind it, so it's not so much clickbait, just grabbing people's attention. Um, but I really, uh, particularly in the communications world, um, it's almost self-perpetuating hype um, because in many business areas, there, from my also perspective, there's not as much hype in communications. So it's always oh, we all need a newsroom, which was a few years ago. Um, you know, we all need to be on TikTok. Um, and it's just a lot of people patting each other on the back. Um, I think we need uh, yeah, more people like us, uh, the two of us, um, to really take these topics and not just uh, not just agree with the, the hype. Um, and I think one one value which you have as a communicator, and unfortunately also not that many, and I would recommend everybody um, who's in communications or li looking at or starting in communications, 
the communicator in many companies or the communications leader is often the only person in the company who tells the truth to the CEO or senior executives. Um, and you get so much more value uh, and respect when you do that instead of just jumping on the latest trend or uh, being another yes person because they, uh, they don't often get the truth. Um, in my experience, it's often the communications person, um, or I would say myself too, um, to bring up these topics. And I think it's the same thing for communications, um, say writing a blog or a, t or a topic. You get so much more yeah, respect, but also just conversation and learning um, if you don't, uh, you don't write from the perspective that everybody else is, but you, you actually think about a topic, what actually makes sense. Uh, back to the TikTok, um, yeah, or everybody's hybrid or whatever, what makes sense, or even worse, which people often ignore, how would that actually work? I mean, I guess maybe I'm too logical, but often when people come up with these things, or we all have to do this or that, uh, um, I mean, or, or things like in the US with so many memes, companies jump on the latest meme, um, I don't know, defund police. Um, or, or, or cancel capitalism. I mean, how would that actually work? It sounds great. Um, worse is, of course, companies that just every month have their latest meme that they jump on, but they're actually not changing anything. Um, so actually questioning things, not just immediately jumping on. Uh, we need more, definitely need more people like that. And so, and, and for the communications role itself or the communications leader, that within a company really gets you respect. Um, and, and you and you learn so much by doing that. You talk about the meme of the month, and I, I can't resist the temptation to talk about what I would consider in the same vein the meme of the century. And that is the concept of employee engagement, particularly, you know, the idea that A, internal comms and employee engagement are the same thing, and B, that focusing on the improvement of employee engagement scores is somehow going to magically improve your profitability and your productivity. To what extent do you see the employee engagement conversation as being genuinely value additive versus, you know, just simply being, you know, this this meme on steroids? I think, I mean, there's so many articles uh, or gurus talking about how to improve employee motivation or productivity. I mean, basically, if you treat people like they're humans and not task robots or slaves, um, that's already most of the most of the most of the mostly what you need to do for that um, employee engagement i mean i think is a piece that um, you need to look at in terms of i mean employee communications for example isn't as it used to be just top down you know the latest message from the ceo it's about explaining topics is about bringing people together um, so that they know what's going on so they're also also motivated and 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 also uh, productive and are, and are, and like the job and like working there um, employee engagement that that got, that's gone awry is when there are employee surveys which which most companies do um, and either people are forced to more or less only say everything's great, um, or, uh, which unfortunately I've also seen in some companies, the results aren't so great, um, but the good pieces are played up and the bad things are ignored and employees are immediately cynical. Um, and I think that's one thing you always have to watch with employee communications. You don't want people to be cynical. 
So if there is an employee engagement survey, for example, or the company really wants to improve employee engagement, then things actually have to improve um, because employees will very quickly be cynical um, and and not believe anything anything the either employee engagement team is saying or the leaders are saying. Um, I think employee engagement as a topic should be more in the HR space, uh, or it's a or it's a strong working collaboration between internal comms and HR. Um, but also, you need for I would say every topic. If the CEO is not behind it or doesn't support it, then you might as well not even do it because sending the communicator out or the HR person out uh, to try to promote something when everybody knows the CEO either hasn't, doesn't talk about it um, or worse says things against it, then it, that's never going to work. Well, I, I think, I think you highlight an interesting trend here. I think an implicit trend around employee engagement that a lot of what's done in the name of employee engagement is actually an attempted workaround around the concept of actually treating people like human beings instead of as task robots and, and, and works. And that, you know, you also in saying that, you know, there's something inherent about the design of a lot of mainstream employee engagement surveys in that they either drive forced positive answers. Like if you ask the Gallup Q12 question, of do you think your associates, your, your fellow employees do quality work? If you've got any doubt about the confidentiality of that survey, you're not going to answer that question in the negative. Um, but you also said that, that, you know, you also implied that, you know, a lot of companies, or at least a number of companies, use these, you know, these forced positive results as a bulwark against actual change. Um, is that, you know, is that something you want to elaborate on? Because I think that's a really, you know, interesting cautionary trend that I think people need to be more aware of, particularly more I see people need to be aware of. Yeah, I think, I mean, in general, results of employee engagement surveys or feedback from employees is important, but obviously a company cannot change everything overnight. Um, but if you're getting results from an employee engagement survey, which <laughs> certain perspectives, for example, do you recommend uh, our company as an employer to friends and family, which isn't very good. Um, I mean, that should be setting off alarm alarms uh, at, for the leaders that there is something that actually needs to happen rather than, oh, why are those people so upset? Um, so if you're going to do, uh, I mean, from the internal comms perspective, if you're supporting communications around an employee survey, which tend to be run by HR, um, you should be also pushing that whatever results are good or bad are openly communicated. Um, and the bad things uh, or the answers that are very, quite negative, at least the senior leaders admit that that something needs to be done, but also that obviously things can't change overnight. Um, and I think one thing that that can be a very huge hindrance is when the company has uh, communicates a very strong supportive corporate culture with values, et cetera, both internally and externally. And employees uh, don't see that uh, necessarily being lived. Um, and for example, toxic leaders are promoted. Um, when you get these results, I mean, if, if nothing changes uh, or, or if you see the background of the, the, what's going on um, and the results come 
and and these senior leaders don't see the need to change, then I mean, nothing's going to change. And of course, it can't change overnight. But I think internal comms, this is one thing um, which is so important that again, back to this fight the hype or or speaking truth, really saying, I mean, the company will be successful if the employees are are informed, interested, motivated. Um, and it and it, they should actually be informed, interested, and motivated, and not, um, oh, we had these three answers which were great from the employee engagement survey, but the rest obviously they're not, um, because it is a it is a very good if if it I mean guarantee and uh, anonymous answers etc. It's a great snapshot at least uh, from employees because normally probably they would never give you feedback. Let me just jump in because we're, we've we've got a limited amount of time left. Um, the idea that, you know, corporate behavior can be in, inconsistent with corporate rhetoric. And I think that's an outstanding segue for a very brief mention of one of your other pursuits, which is fiction writing. To what extent does your fiction writing interplay with your or provide relief from your corporate comms work? And, you know, do you have anything to recommend you know, from your repertoire for this audience. I love language and writing. So um, I think this fits quite well to also what I do communications. Um, I mean, being able to craft messages or explain complex topics, as as you said at the beginning of this discussion, uh, many of the companies I've worked in are more technical or scientific, um, explaining uh, complex topics simply. Um, I've always loved writing. Uh, and I think to be a good communicator, you need to be creative, um, not just with language. And it definitely helps to, um, when I'm writing fiction, um, I'm currently working on a crime, cozy crime murder mystery series. Uh, first book will come out in about a year. Um, it just gives you really creative use of language, which you can also use in terms of creativity, from, particularly for internal comms, because people won't... Uh, want to read or hear sort of dry, sort of businessy uh, videos or or texts, um, and you have to tell. I mean, this is a bit of a hype topic storytelling, but you do have to have sort of an interesting article or text or video that pe- that really pull people in. Um, and this is something that I can definitely gain experience from uh, in my fiction writing. Well, we're coming up to the end of our hour together. I just wanted to ask if you had anything else that we haven't covered in this conversation that you think could add value to the Icon podcast audience here. I mean, I think at the end, uh, as I said before, I mean, internal comms is so important. Many people want to do PR or say speech writing. I think it's such an important topic. Um, And if you're interested in communications or you're already in communications, I think having additional experience as an internal comms person or or specializing it is so valuable for every company. Um, And we need more people who are really um, focused and experienced in internal comms. because it's, we see now today with all the challenges around yeah, remote work, hybrid, uh, or the crises that are going on, we need people within companies bringing people, the employees together, and also, more importantly, making sure the leaders aren't off somewhere 50,000 feet up, um, but really connected to employees. That's excellent. Um, really want to thank you for the conversation today, for the insights and wisdom that you've shared, and also for putting some, you know, pretty sharp definition beyond behind 
the the fight the hype slogan. So thank you very much, Eric, for joining us. This is Mike Klein and signing off from Reykjavik and the Icon Podcast for Sparrow Connected. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Icon Podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by Sparrow Connected. Head over to sparrowconnected.com to learn more about the internal comms platform that is elevating the internal comms profession. And be sure to follow We Lead Comms on LinkedIn. If you liked this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast channels and tune in for the next episode.